Here we go. That's recording. That's recording. And I think we're up. How's it going? You doing very well on the morning on your side of the uh, planet, I guess? Absolutely awesome. <laughs> Good. Well, thanks for being here and doing this. Um, I guess where I should start at that, what I read about you, that you had an epiphany after you gave birth to your son. I did. And that seems to be a pretty life-changing course for you. Is that correct? It was absolutely cathartic. You know, it was one of those moments where, you know, one minute you're running this like software company, you know, you've just given birth. And on the other hand, it's like, oh my God, like my whole world is falling apart, but it's not falling apart. You know, it was a bit one of those moments. It was so interesting, Chris, when that happened, because it was it it was so simple. It wasn't like something drastic happened that turned my life upside down. It was so subtle. And I just caught it in that moment that literally changed the trajectory of my life. You know, all it was was me reaching out to get a lip balm. You know, my lips were dry. I just gave birth. And my business card fell out of my purse accidentally on the bed. So as I was picking up this business card to essentially put it back into my purse, I suddenly held the business card and it was like, Mary Henderson, managing director of, you know, my, the company, the software company. Right, right, right. And I was like, oh, my God. I I could see this business card almost turn into this 3D movie of my life that was just made up of labels. Daughter, friend, sister, boss, managing director, dad, label, 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 label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God, like what, what is happening to me? But then what I realised is that I started to hate the company that I started and it was about two years that it was an uphill battle. I had a software company and every day I would wake up and I'd be like, oh, my God, I've created a beast. What am I doing here? This is not what I'm meant to be doing. And that moment on, you know, three hours after I gave birth, it was like my soul was just like, unchained and said it's now or ever you've got to let me free it's the only way I can describe it and I also had to come face to face with the truth in that moment and declare to myself that really truthfully honestly I started that software company because I was looking for validation from my parents. Mm. I wanted to hear them say, Mary, we're so proud of you, even though you didn't finish your degree. That was the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I resigned from my company two weeks after that. Wow. So that seems to be, I don't know how common that is, but a lot of people seem to be, do they do things like that just to try to get the recognition or the gratitude from their parents. And then they decide that, oh, you know, I've led my whole life doing this and I still didn't get it. And they find out that I'm not happy, you know? 100%. 100%. So you just decided that even though you put that much effort into it and everything else that you're, nah, I'm done. We're, I'm getting out of this. I was done, Chris, because... I knew that there were aspects of that business that was my natural state. I knew that there were things that I really loved to do every day, but there were 
lot of things that I didn't like to do. For example, I am not a micromanager. Like I don't like, you know, that micro-ness of managing lots of people, doing a lot of things at once. I'm a macro, big visionary person. You know, I'm one of those get shit done sort of a person. You know, it's like, got an idea? Let's explore. Let's make it happen. It's That's my style. And not everyone's like that, Chris. So when you're employing people, it's really hard to find people that think like that. And in the software game, it's a little bit different because in the software game, you're developing, you're innovating all the time. So you're working with people that have got a lot of people in that space are introverts, but they also have this lack mentality. It's like, well, I'm not going to design that software for you so you can commercialize. You know, there was all these innuendos that I couldn't cope with. So there were things that I loved, but there were so many things about that business that were absolutely not me at all. So I wanted to give that aspect of myself up because it was an uphill battle. Did you always know, you know, growing up and going through jobs before starting this software company that you were a big picture type person? I always have been a visionary. There is, you know, I've always had this vision of my life, you know, what I wanted to do. I mean, my parents invested in my voice training from the age of five. You know, all I ever wanted to do was become a singer. Like I, performing arts was such a big part of my DNA, Hmm. you know, and so they invested all this money and then by the time I was graduated to go into university or college, you know, that I, I was, as far as I was concerned, all those years I thought I was just going to go to the College of Arts and, you know, pursue my passion for performing arts. Well, my parents had different ideas. They were like, well, yeah. you're not going to go do that. That's not a career. You need to go and become a lawyer or a doctor. Like, what are you talking about? And so I gave up that dream and, you know, but 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 my life started with having that vision of the impact I could create and, you know, and my voice could be utilised as a vessel. I already knew that when I was young, but I lost my voice for a long, long time in my 20s, even my early, just my early 30s, until I realised that, hang on a minute, my voice can be channeled and used in another way. I just didn't, I, I thought it was starting a company, but it wasn't that. It's, it actually ended up becoming what I'm doing today. Okay, and what's tell all the listeners what you are doing today? So today I thankfully have um, merged all the things that I can do with ease and grace into a solution and I help industry experts uh, systemize, digitalize and commercialize their knowledge, wisdom and their skill set into a coaching business and Mm -hmm. a brand. And you felt like that was what you always wanted to do? Well, the thing is, um, you know, Chris, it's not that I knew that that's what I wanted to do. It's just that my skill set was uh, able to solve a problem for those type of people. I see. And so with that, I mean, so you help people like personalize their brand, correct, and find their purpose? Yeah, I think that for me it's really, you know, over the years you get to define who you can truly help. And for me it was really important to work with industry experts, people who have already accumulated thousands of hours in their specialisation. So, for example, somebody could be in a senior corporate role and they've been in finance for 20 years. So they've dedicated hours and hours mastering finance. So I work with those type of people because I need the inventory to help people 
create their brand essence, their brand truth, their brand story, their branding architecture. I can't do it with people who want to become Instagram famous because I can't create a brand from air. I can only create it with inventory. So I'm very clear on who I want to work with. Well, that's a good point to have. I mean, because you know, like you just said, where your skill sets lie and how you can help out the most. But, you know, if somebody said, hey, I want to be Instagram famous, I mean, that does not really do a whole lot for you, correct? I mean, as far as just you're an influencer, yeah. I mean, what does that give you, you know, on a back end? And plus, if you don't really feel like, what's the passion for it or like, hey, I'm really putting my best effort to helping somebody. Yeah, it doesn't work out for both parties. But the other thing is, Chris, that what happens is that you actually end up giving away your wisdom and creating a solution for them that's really based on what you do, not what they do, because you really want to help them out. And so I realized that very, very early in my coaching business that, oh, I don't want to work with those people because all I'm doing is actually helping them become famous using my wisdom. But that will give them, that's a dead end as well, because you can only go so far. Then you've got to kind of go, oh, well, how do I do do what Mary does intuitively. Well, you can't because you haven't experienced the knowledge and it hasn't become your wisdom. So it's a dead end. That's why I only work with those that have got their specialization because that inventory, they already know that intuitively. Mm. Did you find out about, did you try to help somebody get Instagram famous and you found out like, nah, I don't really like doing this or or even just famous in general on social media? Yes, yes, yes. That's how you found out? Oh, I, there was this one person that I did her brand and she was so desperate to become LinkedIn famous. Like that's all she wanted. And there was, and I just got really frustrated because I'm thinking, what am I doing? This is going nowhere. Like I'm coaching, I'm coaching, but I'm not getting anywhere because I don't have the inventory to help her with. And realistically, at the end of the day, she's happy to pay to get famous. So I'm going to set her free and allow her to do that. And so it's all pretend fame. Hmm. Um, And I don't want to work in that space. It's not me. It's completely against my value system. Yeah. I mean, is that just a bragging thing just to say, or is that just more of a, once you become so many, like, all right. So for example, I I know people who buy followers on Instagram and stuff and they, they have, I have 10 K hundred K followers. I'm really big. I'm really famous or whatever. But you know, when you look at the post, it's like, You have seven likes or whatever. That's exactly right. Well, here's the interesting thing that I'm so glad you brought that up. And I hope that your listeners, if they don't get anything out of this interview, get this. A lot of people, um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I have a big following. You know, I've got 82,000 followers of people that I really, I'm a very strategic person on LinkedIn. So not you, I could get a hundred connection requests a day and I can tell you that I might accept five. Okay, because I'm building a network of people that I know I can serve. Okay, so this is the difference in mindset. You have a look at all of those LinkedIn influencers who have got three, four hundred thousand, not all of them, but many of them. Have a look at their followers. I can't serve people in third world countries. I just can't. It's just not my audience. So I could get five hundred thousand tomorrow, Chris, with an audience that I can never serve. What good is that? For me, and what good is that for those people, honestly speaking? So I get a lot of those people calling me saying, look, I've got a lot of followers, but I'm not monetizing. My next question is, what is your specialization? And they're fragmented. Oh, I've done one year here, I've done three months here, I've got so they keep they it's almost like they're so uncomfortable inside their own skin. They've never taken time out to stop and ask themselves, 
what do I want to specialize in? What do I want to be known for? What do I need to do to grow and become the go-to person in this area of specialization? And what lacks in those people is patience, effort, tenacity. You know, these are critical, critical traits that very successful people have because that's what they want. They want to be known as that go-to person and their driver is to leave a legacy. If you want to leave a legacy, you need to be known as the go-to person for something. To back that, you need to be believable and trustable. How do you become believable and trustable? You have to have specialization, dedicated, genuine, dedicated hours in an area that you know for sure that becomes your wisdom. Mm. And this is where the lack is for so many people. But they all want to become Instagram famous. Trust me, when they these millennials hit 45, even 50, what happens is that you need money for your Botox. You need money to, to maintain that look and feel. Where's that money going to come from? Sure. Do you see the downward spiral, how it, it already it will start? So what we've got to do is we've got to turn a blind eye to that because that's just noise. We need to come back this way and be really smart about understanding where the economy is heading and how we can fit in this digital economy so we can be seen as a go-to person. And one more thing I want to add, Chris. Go ahead is that a lot of people look at, you know, how can I make impact to the 7.8 billion people in the world? Listen, you don't need 7.8 billion people. You just need 0.0000001% of the world population that you can serve. It could be 10,000 people. It could be 1,000 people. It could be 100,000 people. But if you know without a shadow of a doubt that you can serve those people, start a conversation with those people only, and we just have to find where they hang out so that they can see us as omnipresent, not we want to be omnipresent. Who am I to become omnipresent? You know, I'm trying to build a tribe of people that love what Mary stand for, that 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 resonate with what I stand for, what how I think. You know what I'm saying? So that's where we've got to go. Yeah, that's one thing that, you know, when I started this podcast, you know, everyone was telling me that, oh, you know, why are you starting a podcast? There's all four million people, there's over four million podcasts. You're just going to be down at the very level. You're going to be real low. It's going to be hard to grind up. And I was like, well, that's not the point or why I'm doing it. But, you know, just like you said, if I create a tribe and if a thousand people listen to this episode and only, you know, one person gets something out of it. And yeah, and that's fine for me, you know, and I don't mind that. And then, you know, it's like a ripple or the water effect, ripple effect. And, you know, they can yeah. go share that with somebody else. And yes. it's stuff like that when somebody will send me an email or a direct message. So I'll say, like, hey, really appreciated what you said there or having this person on or X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, you don't, you know, I want to be good. I want to be at the top of my game, the go-to person, of course. But I don't have to go out and try to be the king of podcasting or something, you know? No. And, you know. and as far as like building that brand and knowing what I'm sharing and what people are seeing, the authenticity and, and what I'm about. And, you know, let's say if they listen to, you know, every episode I've done, which is over 100 now, they are about an hour long. I feel like they can tell when I'm not being real, you know, oh. like if I'm starting to say something and that it's like, mm, well, he didn't say that last time. And, yeah, my perspectives change based on who I'm talking to and so forth. But I want, you know, I want that authenticity where People know that, oh, if I was having this conversation on here, I'd probably be having the same conversation at dinner. You're absolutely right. 
You're spot on. I couldn't agree with you anymore. Cool. And I think that that's a very important point you've just made. You know, it's really understanding who you just want to have a conversation with. And I always, when I'm doing any live or any master classes, the way I think, Chris, is I'm just, I just visualize Mary having a conversation with one person. That's it. Cool. I'm not even looking at an audience. I'm just looking at having a conversation with one person. How would I conduct myself if I was just having this conversation with you? Exactly like I am right now. Yeah. I'm animated. I'm motiv- I'm motivated. I'm positive. I'm hyped up. I'm vibed up. You know, so that's my style. I'm yeah. not going to script it and, you know, you know what I mean? Like, and this is exactly. what people do. It's like, oh, you know, Oprah does that. So I'm going to do that as well. I don't want to be Oprah. I want to be me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for saying that because I feel like that's a generally speaking, of course, that's where people get in trouble as far as, you know, uh, trying to do meet their goals or start a business or whatever, but they see Oprah do something. They see, you know, I don't know, Michael Jordan, uh, who's another, whoever's famous out there. I can't think of Oh, I got to do it exactly. A, B, C, D, what they did. Well, yeah, that worked for them, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for you, you know, and you got to find your own groove and everything. And I like how you said the unscripted kind of thing, because that's my thing. You know, I mean, we have conversations so much every day with, you never know who you're going to meet or run into, but I've always put these, like, I want, like I just said, I want this conversation. If I was having this in the gym at dinner, we'd be doing the same thing. And yeah, you know, there are some, you know, outliers to that just because, you know, not every day you can't always be a hundred percent, but I try, you know, and that, you know, I might feel different one day compared to another day, but yeah, that's what I want. And you're, you're, you were spot on too with that. And that's all I wanted to reiterate right there. So. You know what, Chris, I feel that so many people are are trying so hard to be the person that they're not meant to be. Mm. And I see this everywhere. You know, it is so easy to be yourself. You know, it's so much easier. And and if our calling is to build a tribe so that we can have a voice for others that are not ready to have a voice, then we have to show up as unapologetically ourselves and say the things that those people are not ready to say. That's why you build a tribe. That's why you start a podcast. That's why you start a movement because you're the voice of so many others that are not ready to speak out. So if we can get our heads around that, and it doesn't have to be a big tribe, it can be a a very small tribe of 100 people because here's what I learned. If I just focus on targeting one person at a time, Chris, every person knows five people. Sure. Those five people know another five people. Those five people know another five people. So just think about the power of one person. One becomes five, five becomes 25. Do you see what the, 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 the... The domino effect is absolutely massive, but no one's thinking like that. Everyone's thinking, I want to be Oprah and I'm going to act like her, and I'm going to have my branding like her, and I'm going to scream like Tony Robbins on my masterclasses and my live (laughs) videos on Facebook because that's going to draw attention to me. But I'm just thinking to myself, you actually look really, really stupid. Like you just, you're Mm -hmm. not all I can tell, I can feel that. I can feel that. So let's just move away from that noise because that's ending. There's an end of life to those sort of people anyway. People are adults. We're tired of that. We're smart. We're informed, very well informed. What we're looking for is we're looking to belong to a tribe that we can become a part of and expand. And we're also looking for solutions, problems that we can solve. That's it. That's it. 
going off what you said earlier, do you think because of social media, people don't really know who they are because they are trying to portray something they are not and that, you know, they do this for, you know, X amount of years and then all of a sudden they don't really understand who they are until I don't want to say they hit rock bottom, but they, you know, have an epiphany of some sort and finally realize, man, what, what have I been doing? This is not me, you know, and I've been living this fake life just trying to be, you know, or get all this glamour and get all the attention towards me. And this is not, and I didn't build any skill sets. I didn't do anything. All I did was just spend faking my life. You know, is that just the psychology of social media or the. Uh, you know what, Chris? Can I just share with you on the social media front? Let's think about this for a moment logically. You're behind a screen. Think about it. You're behind a screen. Nobody can touch you. Nobody yeah. can physically touch you you can hide you can turn your camera off you can you can spend two hours in front of the mirror getting your hair done make look unbelievably glamorous you can go to your house in the five streets down in front of a mansion and do your videos in front of that house and pretend that that's your life you can drive to a beach and say this is the view from my from my front veranda do you see what I'm saying? So you can do anything and you can pretend to be anyone on social media because social media gives you permission to do that until you get found out. And then it, then it goes down. And then it goes down yeah. until you get found out. So let's think about this. To maintain that facade is very exhausting. At some point, okay. it's going to end. It's got to be right. I mean, just trying to do what is if you took all that energy and just where you were trying to be this person that you're not or whatever you're doing. Yeah. yeah. And you put it into something like, you know, starting a business or starting or yeah. finding your skill set, like you said earlier, just think of how much better, you know, oh. you would be. I mean, or you would meet you would meet your goals. You would meet whatever you plan yes. on doing with your life rather than just trying to be something you're not. And it's and that's what kind of, you know, sometimes I make things eat feel like they're easier said than done. But, you know, when I see people who use this amount of energy, you know, doing things like that, or, you know, I don't know, just doing bad habits. And it's like, get you know, get out of that habit. You know, and I know sometimes it's tougher person if they have a chemical imbalance of some sort, or you know, they go down a whole depression or whatever, some kind of mental illness. But, you know, it's one of these things, if you compound these small wins and say, hey, I want to work to making a six figure coaching business or, you know, or whatever that, you know, you do this over time and that makes more return on your investment rather than just putting up those sunsets and beaches and cool sceneries, which is, that's cool. I mean, if you're happy doing that, I mean, I'm not going to knock you, whatever. That's great. I don't want to make it like sound like I'm just degrading those people, but the same, if you're complaining about how your life really is in real life, then it's time to make a change. I think that's where I'm at. I think that you're absolutely right. I I think I totally agree with that. And the other thing I just want to add to that, you know, for me, one of the greatest lessons I learned as I was, you know, as I've been on my entrepreneurial journey now 17 years is that, you know, I've had to learn how to actually embrace the journey, the good, the bad, the ugly. And I've had to learn patience the hardest way possible through failures, through trials and tribulations, through heartache, through giving up so much in my life, losing income. I mean, you name it, I've gone through it. Yeah. And but, but what I've learned, Chris, is that 
Patience is a big piece of the puzzle. And, and until we embrace patience, we're just going to be chasing something outside of us. And I don't want to do that. I want to chase what is my, what is inside of me. You know, I know what I really want to do in terms of create that impact. It's not going to happen overnight, Chris. It's a working progress. And thankfully so, because the journey gets better day by day. It's like this surprise every day. And you wake up and you're like, I wonder what's going to happen today. I just wonder what's going to happen today. And that's the beauty of thinking like that because you actually work in the void and you just, you surrender to the void and you're like, what will happen today? I'm just going to go with the flow. You know, so I think that these are, these are lessons that you can only learn when you've lost so much, when you've, you know, when you've given up so much, when you've gone through that pain and trauma and you show up at the other end and you're like, I'm actually fine. I'm doing really, really good in myself. What is that? The iceberg theory where, you know, people only see, you know, people like Oprah and, you know, Joe Rogan and whoever, Matthew McConaughey, big people like that, but they don't really see below the water. That's exactly what you just said like all the trials and tribulations and the the rough times and the good times and like everything it took to get to point A to point B. And I think that's where, you know, it's like a false narrative or it's a, you know, or a false realization. And finally people, you know, they just think, oh, well, they get the idea of doing said thing. And then they hit, hit a paywall or some kind of wall or barrier. Then they stop and like, oh, oh man, it's too hard. I'll just, you know, go back in my room and watch Netflix for eight hours or whatever. And I think it's just what it is. They don't realize how much work it actually takes and how much, you know, like, you know, you leave in that software company and you may, you know, taking a chance on something, you know, they don't, people don't understand that. I feel like it. Well, they don't. And then this is the other thing, um, Chris, that if you don't understand that, then you realistically, especially people that want to be famous or get rich quick, they're actually living in a place of lack and scarcity, okay? And this is really important. You know, and, of course, I learned this on my journey as well. When you come from a lack of scarcity, when you come from a space of lack and scarcity, you're always reactive. You're not responsive because you don't know how to be responsive. You're always <laughs> reactive to the market, et cetera. So which really stems from a place of rejection. So somewhere in your timeline, you have been rejected, you've come from, and now you're, everything that you come from comes from a place of lack or scarcity, which is why you're reactive. But that's actually very dangerous because eventually it actually leads to isolation. It means that you pull out of the outside world because you've now been found out and it's like, what do I do now? So what do you do? You pull out of out of society and then you start to become on your own, which is the worst place to be in. Now, there's also an overarching problem to this as well, and that is that people don't value what they actually bring to the table. And most of the people that aren't specialised in an area, they're actually selling a solution based on reading three textbooks and, you know, getting away with it until they get found out what happens to the people that do have a spe genuine specialization is that we if we if we continue to come from a place of lack and scarcity that means that we don't have value on what it is that we bring to the table. When you don't have value to what you bring to the table, you will openly allow people to pick your brain, which is my absolute Achilles heel. I hate that. I do not endorse that. I do not embrace that. I cancel anyone out that wants to pick my brain. 
Why do I say that with such conviction? Because as you just beautifully articulated, I have gone through 22 years to master my craft. In that 22 years, it took me three years to build my system and my frameworks with zero, zero revenue. What about the 15-hour days that I had to work for three, four, five years? Where, Who sees that? What about all the things I had to give up? What about when all my friends were going out and I was at home working on my business, on my business plan? What about all of that? So all of this wisdom that I've generated, you're not going to pick my brain for that. That's never going to happen. You're going to pay me if you want to learn how to do it, because that's essentially what picking the brain is. And it comes from a mindset of these people that want free webinars, free eBooks, free, 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 because somehow they're magically going to get the code, the success code, and be able to master what's taken you 22 years. That's not going to happen. Do you actually think that Gary V will go into a meeting with mm. Coca-Cola and that then will say, hey, Gary, we're just going to pick your brain and just ask you how to do it. You think Gary's going to turn around and say, oh, sure, of course, you know. But you see, the people that say yes to that, forget the lack and scarcity because we already know that's the premise of where they come from, but it's the ego that basically says, hey, I feel important because somebody wants my wisdom, my knowledge, not even wisdom, my knowledge. Well, my ego is very healthy. My ego doesn't say that to me because my ego is not the master of my life. So I'm sure and clear on my value. So if anyone wants to pick my brain, you're not going to get it. It's just not going to happen because I don't, I have so much value and self-respect to what it is that I do. And I teach my clients this as well, Chris. This is why I only work with people who have accumulated thousands of hours in their specialization. It's so much easier to train those people to think like this rather than those that just want to become, get rich quick or get famous quick. You can't train those people because they're desperately wanting fame. Yeah. What is that quote? If you're good at something, never give it away for free. So. Yeah. But I mean, I agree a hundred percent with you that, you know, you get what you pay for. And if you want to go and find some random Instagram influencer or life coach on there that, you know, just because, you know, they've done X, Y, and Z and they look good in front of a mirror, then all right, cool. That's fine. But if that's what you think, but again, you know, like I said, you get what you pay for. So if you actually want to invest and, you know, not just, you know, you know, somebody might get mad at you. Well, she's not. Mary's not going to let me pick her brain. Well, she, you shouldn't. I agree wholeheartedly with that. That yeah. you, you'd put in these amount of hours to yeah. was that book, uh, uh, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Caldwell. Yeah, it's like ten thousand hours to be an expert in your craft. Exactly. Yeah, and that you know, you, you know, time waits for nobody. You don't get, you know. No, no amount of money ever bought another second of time. So you put all that effort in there to be that person. And yeah, I agree that you don't want to give it away for free. And I think a lot more people think that way. And I don't know how much, like you just said, that they actually have said that out loud. But when people have been asked or, you know, when somebody goes up and like, you know, cusses Gary V for not, you know, saying, oh, how'd you get into NFTs? I mean, he's not going to tell you all of his secrets for free. No, he's not. He's not. Because he's up. 10 hours and he's got a group of people that he's handpicked to make sure that he gets the best advice, but he's learning it. Mm-hmm. That's the crazy thing. It's not like he's sitting back going, oh, just tell me which NFT to buy today. He's actually studying the NFT, the people behind it, the companies, the mindset, the creativity. Yeah. He's really studying the, the detail of it. So we need to get off our ass and do the same. It's yeah. as simple as that. Yeah, I used to be one of those people who would just be upset about 
you know, it's like, oh, well, they only got to, the, you know, always playing the victim card all the time. Yeah. Just because, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, well, they only got to there just because they knew somebody or they already had X amount of money in there. And I was like, no, I can't think like that, you know. And, and I think where it came from was that, you know, maybe I just matured as I got older and that's what I hope it was. But it was one of these things that, you know, back in high school and college and stuff, I always used to think that working hard was not cool. You know, like if yeah. you had a project yeah. or something, it was like, you're, you're actually going to try like, yeah. not like nerd, <laughs> you know, like, that's dumb, you know? I love it. I <laughs> yeah. love it. And so it wasn't until, you know, after high school or not even after high school, after college, where I kind of was like, Oh, you know why everybody else was working yeah. hard and going yeah. to goals and, you know, having jobs coming out of college where I was yeah. kind of just looking for the next party and stuff. It's like, Oh, okay. Now it's time to put this shit together and we got to start working now. And, and I, you had to change that mindset. Now you had to start learning, you know, you you can learn from people like Gary Vee and Tony Robbins, but again, they're not going to tell you all their secrets. So, but it's cool to, you know, you can pick up tidbits from what they've done and stuff. And you get, like you said, we said earlier, you get started on your own path and see where it takes you. And it's kind of a, it's a fun ride, you know, to see where it takes you. You know, you learn things, you make mistakes and you pick yourself back up and you keep going. Yeah, then one day maybe you can be that person to share these types of knowledge yeah. and give it away for free. I, I agree with you. And the other thing is that I also think that, you know, to be successful, it's not just about being at the right place at the right time. That that could play, you know, uh, that could be Part a mean factor. Of course it can. However, from my experience, if you're not growing all the time, your chances of you know, expanding because we have to be in an expansive, not mindset, but just even our energy field needs to be expansive. How do we become expansive? It's all about growth, Chris, growth in knowledge, growth in wisdom, growth in curiosity, growth in innovation, growth in imagination, growth in our uh, circle of influence. It's just growth. Sure. So we don't buy into that notion and understanding that growth is the power. It's the common denominator of all the most successful people in the world. Then what happens is that you can't become that version of yourself with a version of yourself that got you to where you are right now. So if I want to go here, where I'm at right now ain't going to get me here. I might see it in my vision but there are some fundamental things that I need to implement in my life to help me move towards that. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's another quote that comes to mind. You know, if you're, you're the average of the five people you hang out with the most. So if you're hanging out with some people that you don't see them in your vision and being up here and they're down here, it's, it's time to get out of that comfort zone, you know, and that's where the, you know, like you're talking about growth, that's where I learned it actually started to change for me. And it was when I, when I got one of my first full-time jobs, you know, we'd go to a conference or some kind of random meeting or whatever it was. But I was always a person who's like, oh, I want to go find out everybody I already know and just hang out with them. And I was like, yeah. you can't be this person, dude. If you And it finally, I don't know what finally came over me. It was just, you know, a mentor, a friend or somebody just saying, hey, you know, just go sit with another table and just learn from them. I mean, strike up a conversation. And, you know, and I had somebody on here that, you know, or I had a friend that was talking about, oh, it's so hard to start, start a conversation with somebody, you know? And I was like, no, yeah, I used to think that way. But now, you know, somebody explained it to me one time. I had a guest on here that, you know, most people know some type of sports moments or anything. And you can ask them just talking about, did you see the game last night? Did you see the Super Bowl? And just something like that. And all of a sudden a conversation starts to flow. And, you know, and even with that said, I want to add that 
you know, when I do these, that still blows my mind. I've said it countless times on here that, you know, we get on here and I talk to have a conversation with a perfect stranger that we only exchanged a few emails before this. And it's like, Hey, it can happen. It can do it. You just got to put yourself out there and see what happens. You know, that's actually a really good point, Chris, you know, that you speak to so many people, you know, week on week with your podcast, you've never met the, you've never met me. I live on the exactly. other side of the world where I'm actually the future you at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Melbourne in Australia. But the thing is, that how is it then that you and I can just have this amazing conversation that's abundant, expansive, you know, it's full of energy. Mm-hmm. Why is that? You know, because we both opened ourselves up to the opportunity, the potential of what this could be. Yeah. I mean, it's just because I think we're like what we've been saying. We both have this type of mindset and like exactly what you said. This could be something special, you know, and this could, you know, we learn from each other. You know, we're you and I are aesthetically doing a little dance right now. What you're saying, you know, yeah. I'm listening. Yeah. And I want to come back. Like, okay, that makes sense. Oh, let me come back with this. And you're watching. We're moving together. And then all of a sudden, you know, it didn't happen. <laughs> You know, we're laughing, we're having a good time. You know, we're sharing thoughts, our feelings, or how our perspectives on things. And then, you know, and I always think in the back of my head, and this might be a little imposter syndrome, or I don't know what it is, but you know, these conversations could go terribly wrong. You know, and I, and I've, and thankfully, I've I've had a couple that, or the majority of all my conversations have went really well. And that's the one of the goals of this podcast is that when both of us leave here, that we're like, hey, that was great. That's what I wanted. That's what I, yeah. I feel good about it. You know, but all of a sudden we're not always going to have that same human interaction with everybody. But for the same, you know, you know, for example, if somebody wants to come on here and talk about how two plus two equals five, you know, things might go differently along this podcast. But that's just part of human interaction. So I think I kind of lost my point when I was going to that. But anyway, I'll stop rambling. <laughs> it sounds good anyway. Okay, good. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that, but that's what I want is that, you know, that, you know, we're on the other side of this country, you know, you and I, you know, you are a master at your craft and you spent countless hours and you're sharing that bits and pieces, pearls and gems, whatever you want to call it, along with everyone. And that's, hey, you know, things can be a certain way if you want them to be. You think life doesn't have to be the way that you want it. If you want to make a change, if you want to try to do something, it's going to be an uphill battle, but it can be done. You know, Chris, I think that the thing is that we're we're at a precipice in our world at the moment where things are just, you know, like there's so much chaos, but there's so much opportunity at the same time, sure. right? Sure. And, and we just have to be, be able to discern the chaos and the opportunity. The ones that are reactive, they're just seeing the chaos. The ones that have been prepared, they're seeing the opportunity. And here's the thing that I see. I see so many people that have this deep, 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 deep yearning inside of them to do something bigger and bolder. They can't describe it or articulate it in words. They don't know what it is. It's like, I know I want to do something bigger. I know I'm destined to be something more than what I'm doing now. Okay. Now, I love that because to me that opens up Pandora's box. It's like, okay, yeah, let's go on a journey together and I'm going to show you what you're really yearning for. At least open up, open you up so you can self-realize that yes, you are correct. There is something much bigger inside of you that is yearning. So what is that thing inside of us that is talk who is it inside of us that is talking to us who's telling us that i want something bigger there is something more there's got to be something more than this nine to five hamster wheel right because if 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 i have a yearning then and it's and i'm not fulfilled in what i'm doing in my nine to five we got a problem houston 
right? There's just there's there's something not there's something that's not right. And right. what happens is that that individual will have that yearning every day from that moment onwards. The only difference is it gets louder and louder and louder and louder. Now, what does that mean? It means that we have to step into a place of surrender, trust, and courage. And when we can step into that place of surrender, trust, and courage, that's when you can actually start responding to where the flow is taking you. And this is the unseen. This is the part that most of us, we've never been taught that you and I at school. We've only been taught at school to be in a masculine system, to be obedient, to be compliant, and how to survive. That's what the corporate landscape's all about. It's all about survival, dog eats dog, power, all that stuff. What we really want, that's not sustainable. That's why you see so many people have midlife crisis. The midlife crisis is I've hit the end line. What what next? Like this can't be it, right? So there's this unfulfillment but there's a deep yearning and we need to step into that yearning and be comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm, I like that. Mm. You know, I growing up, you know, or what's my point here? You know, I don't know anybody growing up who ever said, I want to wake up or I want to, when I grow up, I want to work a nine to five job, you know? And I don't know if somewhere along the way that, you know, if it's, you know, pressure from your parents, like, oh, you got to be a doctor or a lawyer. And they just say, nah, just hell with it. I'm just going to be a nine to five. Or it's something where, you know, in schools, it's almost like you're talking about, we're taught what to think and not how to think. Yes. And again, yes. I'm, I'm generally speaking, I'm not, you know, I don't want to dog the education system or anything like that. But, you know, that's what it always seemed like for me was that, you know, always like, you know, after school or after high school, you you should already be planning for college. And if you're not going to go to college and you're just a loser, you know, yes. it's, yeah. 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 And I was like, what? Right. and that was the only reason, like, I was even thinking about, I had to go to college because I thought that was a key in the road to success. And, and luckily, you know, I found a good way and we started at community college and then went my way up and worked from my way up from there. But, you know, it's one of those things that it's, uh, it's a society or cultural narrative that, yeah, you have to go to college to be successful. You know, you, you can't leave a six figure software company and not still not be successful, you know, and that's, and it scares people. And I think that's, you know, it gets into their brain and they're like, Oh, I can't take this chance. I can't do that. You know? Well, I think that that's because, you know, to live on the edge of the circle, like if you look at a circle, most people are inside the circle. It's the safety net. The ones that are on the edge, you know, they're the trailblazers, the misfits, the black sheep. They're the ones that are, it's not about taking risk. It's got nothing to do with that. It's about pursuing the yearning. That's what it is. I like that. And they will do anything to pursue that yearning because they recognise that they're here for a bigger game. They're here to play a much bigger game. And they will do what it takes to get to that destination. So what's the key trait that they all have? Patience. Patience. Do you see what I'm saying? Do Do you think that Steve Jobs created Apple overnight? Seriously. Remember, he he was uh, sacked from his own company. Remember? Yeah. it almost took a sabbatical. It was like, oh, my God, like, how did this happen? And then came back years later, didn't happen days later or hours later, years later to then rebuild Apple. So see this notion of patience is vitally important. It's a critical ingredient for those people who want to play the bigger game. And speaking of Steve Jobs, I just wanted to add this, that not only 
what he what you just talked about that he did. But I'm currently reading this book called Obstacle in the Way by I think Ryan Holiday or Halliday. But he was talking about how Steve Jobs, like I think his dad was a cabinet maker or whatever, and that you know he wanted to make a product that he knew that would benefit him and all the guests, and so be beautifully designed. And that he got it from that. Uh, I think his dad was a cabinet maker and that his dad would finish the back of cabinets, you know, even though you would never see them and they would still be beautiful on the back against the wall. And so he said, the inside of the iPhone, I want this to be as beautifully and as aesthetically pleasing as I can. Just, and this is kind of a side tangent and not cause I know nobody will see it, but I know that it'll be built this way. It'll be almost perfect to me. And that's the type of, yeah, it's the type of mindset that you got to have that stuff like that, you know, and to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I never, and I never knew that before that reading that book. And I was like, wow, that's so awesome. That I is- love that. I, well, the thing is, Chris, that you just bring up another point that I really want to share with you. And that is that, you know, a lot of people that are moving into this, you know, uh, entrepreneurial movement, you know, whether you want to be a coach, consultant, speaker, author, build products, SaaS platforms, whatever it is that you want to do. I believe that to be successful moving forward, especially as a coach or a consultant, we no longer can walk into believe that our client is okay with just having conversations and doing, you know, project works. I'll deliver what you tell me to do. Those still will exist. But in terms of coaching, that's not going to work anymore. Um, and I'll tell you why. Because my clients they absolutely want to get to their destination in the shortest time possible. They don't want to think how to do it. They expect me to provide them with a system that walks them through every step of the way. You got it. So, but it's implementation, Chris. So there's two parts to the coin. There's the implementation along the way. So when I'm micro implementing at the end, the macro is all done in full and on time, I'm ready to go. But then that's what I call my masculine system. It's all the doing, the implementing. Now, here's a big problem that I see. I can get every one of my clients to implement, have the best systems, websites, programs, branding, lead generation strategies, unbelievable, okay? But if they haven't embodied that version of them, Mm. it's not going to work. No, yeah. You see the difference? I do see the difference, yeah. It's just... Even though they think it's working, it's not working, right? It's not working, Chris. Yeah. It's an uphill battle then. It's like I'm pushing and I'm doing, but I'm not being. This is why you can't be somebody else. This right. is why you have to be yourself. So there's two parts at the end of the journey. It's like, okay, I've implemented all of the critical moving parts. Now I have to embody that version of me and I have to self-actualize my full potential from this moment onwards. Yeah. Two different systems. We've got the masculine power system, which is the doing. We've got the feminine power system, which is the being. I have to be unapologetically myself. I have to understand my truest potential and live them out every day, which comes from a place of trust, conviction, being unapologetically myself, speaking my truth, what I stand for. That's the movement I'm building. I'm drawing people into my ecosystem. I'm not pushing people away. So they're two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I like that. And then, you know, just even being, you know, if you know that you're, say, have a weak skill set of something and just knowing that, knowing, like, okay, 
let me work on this and work on actually yeah. instead of work, you know, doing everything that I'm always good at, you know, work on those weaknesses, you know, too, yes. at the same time, you know, and that'll help you along the way. You know, it might suck. Yeah, of course. You know, what are they, you know, I'm one of these CrossFit guys and we, we call like stuff that you hate to work on the goat because it's like a stubborn animal, but I don't yeah. know. I, somebody might need to look that up. I don't know how accurate that is, but yeah, but as you know, if you work on your weaknesses and over time it compounds and you're eventually going to get, you know, you might not still be a hundred percent at it, but you'll get better at it. And then you can even add that to your skill set even more, you know, hundred percent. I agree with you on that, you know, and, and, and all of us have weaknesses, you know, and it's a working progress. You know, I don't believe that your growth ever stops. I believe that you just keep, keep, keep growing. If that's what you want. That's what I was getting ready to say. <laughs> if that's what you want, you know, and I, and I am so thirsty for growth, you know, like I'm not afraid to admit my weaknesses or, you know, the things <laughs> that I don't know. I'm not afraid to even admit how I'm feeling, whether it's positive or negative. I'm just not afraid of that. I love that. I see that as a feedback loop. It mm -hmm. makes me a better person, a bolder person, a more wiser person, etc. And a lot of people are afraid to go there, but how do you get to your destination, Chris, if you don't grow? How? Yeah. yeah, you can't. You can't get there. You know, and if what is it if you stop learning, you stop growing and all that. But, you know, you got to be you can't be afraid to admit, you know, I'm one of the these guys. It took me a while to learn this. But if I fuck up, you know, excuse my language. Yep. But, That's fine. You know, Go I got good. Cool. I got to own it. You know, I own it, you know, and then I learn from it. And. You know, nobody wants to look like a fool. Nobody wants to mess up, you know, and, no. and it, but that's us, you know, it's humans, you know, that's what we're going to do. Yes. You know, we're going to make mistakes yes. along the way. And you, and yes. I, I got this from another book that you have to own when you mess up in life. And you, know, you have to. Yeah. And, and you, be okay with it. Embrace it. Love it. Learn okay. from it. It's, right? it's Yeah. People got to learn that it's okay. You know, and then I don't, you know, again, you know, nobody wants, everyone wants to be right. Nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody wants to look like an idiot, but that's like you just said, embrace it. That makes the journey a little bit better. You know, you get, you know, you learn from yourself about it and, you know, things happen in a positive manner, even though you had a negative outcome or whatever, you know. The thing is, Chris, that you know why people are like that? I'll tell you why. Tell because when because when we're at school, we're taught to be, uh, you know, obedient people and mm -hmm. that if you don't get an A or a B or a C, oh, God forbid that you're a failure and there's something wrong with you. Exactly. So we've adopted this attitude of I can't fail because the teacher, will, I'll get into trouble, little Johnny will get into trouble. Now think about this for a moment. We go into corporate but we're the same people. Yeah. We're little kids dressed in an adult body because mm -hmm. we haven't actually outgrown that mindset of, oh, my God, if I get it wrong, the teacher's going to spank me and I'm going to get in trouble and everyone's yeah. going to laugh at me, right? Yeah. Now, I was the opposite, you know, in my career. I was like, I was very comfortable in saying, I'm sorry, I actually don't understand that. Good. I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. And I didn't care if people laughed at me. I just didn't care because... I, one of my key strengths is communication. So I'm going to master that. How do I master that? I need to understand in micro, micro detail how something works. That's why I had a software company because <laughs> my brain thinks in zeros and ones, right? right. So, so we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. I keep saying that over and over again. But we've also got to outgrow the 10-year-old version of me and be the adult version of me and own up. Yeah. You know, that was one thing I learned when, you know, when starting this podcast that, you know, I can't be afraid to say, you know, what's on my mind. And even 
or ready to screw up again, you know, because I want to have these conversations. I want to have difficult conversations with somebody. And just because, you know, I know I grow from me having these conversations and thinking about, you know, a different perspective than what they are. And that I know that, hey, you know, if I'm thinking something, if I have an idea, if I have a thought, don't be afraid to share it. You know, if it's, you know, and I've said so much stupid stuff on here, but, you know, it's, it's happened again. Like it's what we've been saying. It's part of the journey. And if I say something stupid, I go back and look it up or, you know, yeah. I need to have somebody fact checking me all the time. It's what I really need. But, you know, <laughs> but, <having, laughs> but you know, I go back and I'm like, Oh, I said I that, that it. was not, that was not the right way to say that. But, <laughs> but that's, but that's what, uh, you know, that's, that's the fun of it. That's the beauty of it. And that, you know, but I still learn from it, you know, and that's like, and I didn't want to, I knew I had, a, that's my point is that I had to bring that, get out of my shell of doing that. Because I, yeah, when I was little and even growing up, you know, I was always that guy that was like, if a tough conversation came up or, you know, something weird or something I was not comfortable about, I would kind of go slide in the back and get into the, you know, just get out of there in some way I can. That way I wouldn't have to look like an idiot or feel bad or something like that. So yeah, well, people are going to learn it. Absolutely. I hope they learn it. Well, this is the beauty of life, isn't it? That it is a journey and it just depends how you see your life. You know, you either see it and embrace it and grow and, you know, learn and, you know, make mistakes and use your mistakes and failures as a feedback loop to make things better or, you know, enhance your life experience. Or you go the other way and you just keep running away and hiding and then get to 60 and you're like, what happened the last 60 years, right? Well, that's not going to be me. I can tell you now. What do you what do you see your future? If you don't mind me asking, I look. My passion is very clear. You know, I am on a mission to show people that their knowledge, their accumulated knowledge, wisdom, and skill set is the true currency. That hmm. is because think about it, Chris. You own it. it. It never depreciates. Your internal inventory is with you forever. It's what you do with it. People will either look back and go, oh, that's just a nice memory of, you know, the last 20, 30, 40 years. Or you can turn around and say, how can I turn that last, the last 20 years of my life into a business that I can monetize? How can I do that? That's my passion. It's turning those people into an actual commercial entity. And that's my mission and, you know, and my movement, if you will. So um, I don't think that I'll stop coaching. I think that what I want to do is just expand my horizons. It's interesting because 80% of my clients are international. Only a small proportion of my clients are here in Australia, which is very interesting. Yes. I don't know why it's just happened like that. Oh, okay. I was getting ready to ask, why do you think that is? But I just think that, you know, I just people just resonate with me from different parts of the world. Um, And Australia here is very different. You know, we have this thing, you've probably heard of it before, it's called the tall poppy syndrome. People here in Australia are very conservative, they're very reserved, they don't like putting themselves out there. You know, it's like, oh, who do you think you are? You know, it's just a very, very, like, limiting mindset, I find. Not everyone, of course, but it's just Generally speaking, that's the kind of the attitude. We have this saying here, you know, like Australians are like the Aussie battler. You know, it's like people, they're always battling their life, you know, like the life's a battle. I'm like, sorry, that just doesn't work for me. I'm just, I don't I don't even understand what that means. I have no idea. You know, and I worked in the, I, I lived in LA for four years. Okay. You know, I worked for a tech company in LA in the early 2000s. And, you know, I just 
really resonate with that American mindset. It's like, yes, we can do it. So I thrived in the US, especially LA, of course. I thrived in that environment because it was a completely perfect match to my personality. And I think that's why I get so many people from international being drawn to me because I genuinely genuinely believe with absolute conviction that every human being has holds onto currency and is sitting on a gold mine. And the way that I articulate that with passion and conviction resonates with a lot of people. I wonder, and I know we're getting kind of short on time here, but I, I wonder that just because of that, what you just said, you thrived in America, is it just because that you know, there's this mentality here, you know, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and just get after it. If you really, you know, I think so. Yeah. I think so. And I was just, you know, that Aussie girl in the office that was just outspoken. I had the different accent. I think that that's a draw card as well. But I was me. You know, I was very, very mean. I think people found that really refreshing. It's like, hey, you know, who is this girl? (laughs) (laughs) You're fun to talk to. I mean, you know, you got a great mindset and that I could, you know, I could really see the attention or like why people would be drawn to you. I mean, just, you know, this just having this hour long conversation we've done already has just been great. And that, you know, when you were doing this in the uh, the tech industry, yeah, I mean, you know, that accent does help. I'm not going to lie, but it know. does. I think, I think, and also, I think, you know, I just think generally, spe- I'm, I, I also have a very dry sense of humor. I think people are drawn to that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And a lot of people don't see that, but I'm really, really funny. And, you know, my clients, we just have the, my, we, we, sometimes we're in fits of laughter, not because I'm actually telling you a joke. It's just my angle. You know, it's like my my demeanour will speak volumes without me having to say anything, you know. So it's things like that. It's a lot of little, little moves. But you know what? At the end of the day, Chris, it doesn't matter who I'm, who's drawn to me and who I'm drawn to. What matters is that we're making the world a better place. That's my whole, my whole philosophy on life is if I'm, if what I'm doing is not for the betterment of humanity, I got to get out of it. Mm. Mary, I think we should take it home right there on that. That was a, be a good way to take this in it right there. Um, if people want to find you, if they want to, you want to plug anything, feel free to do that right now. Anyone can email me, Mary at MaryHendersonCoaching.com. You can check out my website, MaryHendersonCoaching.com. Connect with me on social media everywhere. I'm at Mary Henderson Coaching. And, of course, um, I do offer a 45-minute free coaching call where I will conduct a free gap assessment. It's not a pick-your-brain session. It is a gap assessment. And you are welcome to book a call at MaryHendersonCoaching.com slash apply. Mary, you're a badass person. Thanks for thanks for doing this with me. Thanks, Chris. Have a great day. Bye, people.